0: It's been reported that there are nearly 30 to 40 million slaves in the world today. There are more slaves today than there were during the entire 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. And when we say the word slaves, we're talking about men, women, and children who are being bought and sold for sex, for labor, entering into child marriages. These are human beings who are being taken advantage of, who are being treated like property just for the sake of a dollar. Human trafficking is the second largest global industry after oil. Those numbers can be really intimidating and they can feel overwhelming. And there are times when we hear statistics like that and we just wanna plug our ears and forget that this is a reality for so many people across the world. My guests today, Wendy Daly, the co-founder and president of, and Michelle Bridgman, the head of distribution for Purpose Jewelry and International Sanctuary, were wrecked a few years ago when they traveled abroad and began to learn about the realities of the human trafficking industry. And again, instead of just sitting by and saying that somebody should do something about that, they decided to do something about that. International Sanctuary is a nonprofit that has sanctuaries all over the world that are rescuing women out of the human trafficking industry and giving them an opportunity at a second life, whether that's through rehabilitation, counseling, education, and a stable income. They're able to provide for their families, and they're able to start over and start fresh after experiencing more trauma than any of us could even imagine. My conversation today with Michelle and Wendy was such an honor. It was such a pleasure. And I felt so encouraged to hear their hearts for what they are doing to take part in being a part of the solution for ending human trafficking. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host Molly Stillman of StillBeingMolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. Now, onto the show and enjoy this chat with Wendy and Michelle. Hey Wendy and Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks Molly. I am so excited to have you both here on the show. You guys are both from Purpose Jewelry and Purpose is one of my favorite favorite jewelry companies, and so I am just, I'm so excited to hear both of your stories. Michelle, I actually got to meet, you and I met in person at the end of June when you were here in the Raleigh area for the Flourish Markets Nourish event, and it was just so awesome hearing your story, and I was like, I have to have you guys on the podcast because I want everybody to just hear the amazing work that you guys are doing, and the artisans that you're empowering, and the work that you guys are doing with International Sanctuary, so um i am just i'm honored to have you guys here today
1: oh
2: thanks molly it's an honor to be here
0: oh awesome well to kick off I want you guys to both give us the Wendy and the Michelle 101. So whoever wants to go go first, I'm going to have you guys just kind of share your story, you know, a little bit about it, your your background, and, um, and then we'll kind of get into what Purpose Jewelry is, what interna- International Sanctuary is, and how it's kind of all intertwined and interconnected.
2: Sure, I'll start. <laughs> Wendy Daly, I'm the co-founder and president of Purpose Jewelry and International Sanctuary. Um, I'm a California native and uh, went to school at Pepperdine University and graduated from there and uh, got my teaching credential and taught second and third grade for about five years. and before millennials bounced around and kind of changed uh, career jobs every two to three years, you know I'd been teaching for about five years and just got the itch to get out of the classroom and, um, went on a mission trip to India where I met our founder, Stephanie, and just my whole world turned upside down. And I went off to Cambodia and lived for a year teaching English to an orphan care rescue agency. And that's where I saw trafficking firsthand. And that's really where my passion was birthed.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you, um, you know, when you went to India, was it just was it initially just a short term mission trip? Was this something that you'd always wanted to do? Was it something that you were like, oh, I think it'll be a fun opportunity? What was your initial goal when you went to India? And, and like you said, just kind of everything changed for you at that point?
2: yeah, it was all of the above. You know, i it was a short trip with the church. It was just a short mission, you know, kind of uh, poverty, your basic uh, feeding the hungry and medical missions, mm-hmm. and you know education for children and things. And but I always had a real global heart and just really had a passion for different cultures. And so from that point, my I just felt that like the horizons opened up for
0: me. Absolutely. Um, Michelle, I would love for you to kind of share your story and um, and and you know eventually what led you to how you connected with Wendy and and international sanctuary and purpose.
1: Yeah. Um, so Molly, you, I think know a little bit about this from when I talked at Nourish event, but uh, basically, I, you know, grew up in Southern California and was living in definitely a bubble and didn't really know about anything about trafficking. And even in school through college, I didn't really hear much about it. Um, No, no one was really talking about it at that time. And so it was kind of off my radar. And so I graduated uh, with a business marketing degree and was just ready to kind of take on corporate world and kind of make my way up in a company and kind of rise to the top and um, make a lot of money. And yeah. that was just kind of my, my ideal job like after college. And so I started actually working for a travel company right after college and It was um, where it was basically tours all across Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and the U.S. And it was kind of through that job that I started traveling a lot and just kind of seeing, the really experiencing the world around me. And my eyes were just being opened up to a lot of different social justice issues and just seeing how different cultures, how it was to be in different cultures. And so that was really eye-opening for me. And basically, I kind of came to a point in my life where I realized I wanted to do more and I wanted to kind of explore a little bit more around the world and decided to actually to do kind of like Wendy, a short-term mission trip uh, through my church to Mm -hmm. South Africa. Mm -hmm. And then after After kind of experiencing what a mission trip was, I I decided to do something more extreme and I traveled the world for a whole year and basically like lived out of a backpack and um, it was on that year long trip that I was exposed to human trafficking in Southeast Asia area. And um, I just was, I was blown away. I mean, I had no idea and I was just kind of walking through red light districts and just being so, just exposed to this injustice, and I knew deep down that I, it was it was going to change my life um, from that point on. And so I came back from that trip and knew I wanted to still live in Southern California. And so I started looking for organizations that were local that were doing something about the issue. And that's when I came across uh, International Sanctuary, and it was at that time when it was just still pretty new. um, And they didn't have a lot of support as far as staff wise. So I just started as a volunteer and kind of jumped in with um, the marketing and kind of sales background. And now I've been here ever since, which is like five and a half years ago. That's amazing.
0: And I'm not going to lie, I would love to hear, like, we could probably do a whole podcast of you just sharing stories of things you learned and saw on a whole you know, year of traveling the world. I mean, that's basically like a bucket list item for so many people. And I bet there's just a, just a, a bunch of things that you you could share of um, your time traveling the world. Um, so so Wendy, many stories. Oh, I, I bet. Um, so Wendy, for people that don't know and aren't as familiar with Purpose Jewelry and International Sanctuary, tell, tell us a little bit about, first, what International Sanctuary is, what they do, and how Purpose Jewelry is both connected to and a part of it but also kind of separate and you know but they're all they all sort of work together
2: sure absolutely yeah international sanctuary was founded in 2007 so we're coming up on our 10th year that's and, awesome. and we empower <laughs> girls and women to rebuild their lives and embrace their true identity and worth mm-hmm. and we do that through our sanctuary centers and we are based right now in mumbai india Kampala, Uganda, Tijuana, Mexico, and then we also have one in the United States uh, based in Orange County, California. And our model is really through the power of the social enterprise, and that is that uh, we walk through uh, the first phase of establishing a sanction, and that is to invite survivors into a job. And for a girl or a young woman who has been traumatized and is has been a victim of trafficking um, to enter into a relationship through employment and a job is dignifying it gives her work a paycheck and it it's a non-threatening way to enter into relationship for them to start to heal mm-hmm. and build those um, bonds and, and relationships that are in a positive uh, positive way. And from there, um, the sanctuary grows. And we start with just a small cohort of 10 uh, young women. And then from there, uh, they learn from each other. We establish a safe healing workplace community. We start with a really strong culture and then add 10 girls um, after the three-month training period so that they can learn from each other. And after 24 months, we have a sustainable model that is working with approximately 30 girls, and it are producing about 56,000 pieces. And from there, the, the sustainable sanctuary is able to provide them with um, medical care, assistance, education, counseling, and add the additional services that they need in order to uh, really holistically step into their future and rebuild their lives.
0: That, I mean, I think the model that you guys have set up is such an example for that I think so many organizations could take because you really you really look at it in a holistic way rather than just going in and you know there's no there's no handouts there's no just you know band-aids you're really looking to figure out you know Ways to offer these women and these and these girls. I mean, th- that's the reality of of human trafficking is so many of these victims are, I mean, they're children, they're children. And so you're giving them an opportunity to, you know, get an education and and, and get their lives back because I think that is something that can sometimes we can sometimes forget. when we hear about human trafficking and we hear about the injustices that are happening, we forget that these are real, women these are real girls who have been completely traumatized and they're dealing with a lot of stuff that is very heavy yeah. and very deep and a lot of uh, scars both emotionally and physically and spiritually that they have to work through and so to get that yes. support and that and those resources can be i mean literally life-saving yes yeah. So how did you guys decide to because your first sanctuary center was in Mumbai, is, is that correct? Right. Yes. So what you know, what was the I know that your initial um, mission trip and, and when you got connected to Stephanie was in India. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that early process for when you when you first got started and, and you launched that first sanctuary center. Sure. Well,
2: you know, I was, you know, relatively young and, uh, you know, 28 years old, had really nothing to lose. I moved in with Stephanie's family and she was out in India um, teaching the girls how to make jewelry because that's something she enjoyed um, doing. She the, the vision initially was to purchase products that were being made and make them available to the Western market to open up economic streams of revenue for girls to rebuild their lives. The challenge was that they were they were not making anything that was marketable value. I remember distinctly one of the aftercare home mothers showing me this craft project that was literally a replica of, like, a second grade art project, a snow snowman made out of cotton balls. And I'm like, look, look how cute this is. And I'm like, I can't sell that. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, um, Stephanie worked on a few different trial and errors candle making and tailoring projects but jewelry was really what stuck um, because it's something that you know she was the teacher and she, you know she continued to show up and the girls continued to learn jewelry and so she would send the jewelry to me in the states and I would you know very grassroots effort just you know um, go around to, Events and churches and schools that would have us and share the story and sell the jewelry. And at that point, you know, the jewelry was not very good, but people believed in the cause and were horrified to be learning at the, at this time when there was very minimal awareness around trafficking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very eager to support, and you know, I, I say all this to say that we didn't really understand the model that we were building, but we knew that these girls needed help, and I believed in in um, the work we were doing and the the work with survivors of trafficking you know healing is a lifetime yes. and so 5 years in we were just it took 5 years just to start seeing the fruit mm-hmm. of some of those relationships and some of those girls to to realize mm-hmm. that we weren't going away and that you know just to to form those healthy safe trusting relationships where they can open up and just really have their lives changed. So, I I mean, confession-wise, I I jumped in and I thought we would fail, but I had very little to lose. So, (laughs) (laughs) And then five years in, I go, oh, okay, we're onto something and God is really blessing this. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think there are so many entrepreneurs that share that same sentiment.
1: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of those same girls that started with us from the beginning I mean they're still with us and Stephanie had you know our Sunita who was Stephanie's translator right when Stephanie was starting in India and just was figuring it all out and she got this translator and her name was Sunita and she now 10 years 11 years later is she's head of basically operations right basically over in India so it's just really a testament to we like dove dove in and we were there for the long, the long haul.
0: Absolutely. Now for, um, so, you know, you have these sanctuary centers, the, the overarching organization is International Sanctuary. Where did Purpose Jewelry come in?
2: Yeah, that was launched about three years ago. And the differentiation in the brand was really for it to operate on its own as far as just in trade shows and just in, uh, the retail space. We found that a lot of the wholesalers and just a lot of customers, they were buying the jewelry because it was beautiful, not necessarily as a pity purchase.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: International Sanctuary and the whole entire cause around uh, the efforts behind trafficking was getting in the way of the brand itself. And so to allow clarity and allow to the for the jewelry to stand on its own, uh, we just renamed it. It's simply a DBA. and. Uh, we've seen a lot of success in that. And then obviously with all of our efforts, it's all under the International Sanctuary umbrella under the nonprofit.
1: Yeah, with the name Purpose, it just, you know, the customer immediately knows that there's something deeper behind just this cute, you know, trendy jewelry. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of people come up to us at events or trade shows and just literally come up and say, Purpose Jewelry, like what – they want to know. They're, they're curious. What does it mean? What What's the purpose behind it? So um, I think that has been, it's been a really strong name to kind of stand out amongst the rest.
0: I completely agree. And I was going to say, you know, for you, Michelle, as, you know, somebody who's, you know, you're in charge of the marketing. And that's also, you know, you have this uh, interesting balance to strike where, and, and in, I don't think in a bad way, I think in a good way where you're you're looking to get the brand out there and you're thinking the business wise, but then you're also being really intentional about how do we share this story? Because there is so much more to this than just beautiful jewelry. Yes, it's beautiful jewelry. Right. that is cl- They're classic pieces. I mean, you guys are really, your style, the aesthetic is very, uh, very classic, very, almost, you know, minimalist design, um, the kind of jewelry that you can wear every day, but also dress up. You know, it's a very, uh, you know, it's, it's something that can stand on its own. And regardless of the story behind it would sell because it's beautiful. But then you also have this added layer of it's you know it's made by survivors and of of human trafficking and there's so much more to it that you know when you're buying a piece of this jewelry you're providing a job you're providing an opportunity you're providing a second chance for somebody so how do you as the marketing person like what is your goal every day to balance that you know from being a smart business savvy and then also thinking about the greater purpose behind all of it
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely been like you're saying. Really, I think when we branded the jewelry um, to be called Purpose, it was there was we did a lot on the branding front of you know with its its own website, its own social media, very image driven. Very, um, you know, we wanted people to see like the beauty of the jewelry and. To kind of get behind the style and kind of see how, you know, they could wear it with different things or, you know, get get bloggers, lifestyle, fashion, all these people to kind of wear it and support it. But it's really that there's that, you know, you have to make that strong, but you have to always go back to. The fact that, like you're saying, there's this added component, this added layer, um, and there's a lot of, even just education that has had to happen with us just educating consumers about, we're not just a, it's not just a give back brand. We're not right. just donating a certain percentage back to, um, to give to these women as a handout or to give to another organization. We actually are the organization yeah. and we are doing so much more. It starts with the job, which is through, obviously through the jewelry, which is really tangible, but also we're doing all these other program components that really holistically help these women heal. And so it really is this fine balance that we've had to kind of create. And when we're speaking, I mean, we have two two different, almost different target demographics where, I mean, with International Sanctuary, there's the whole, I mean, we have a lot of donors that are a certain demographic, I would say, and we have a certain language that we speak to them, but also with our shoppers, that looks a little different too, where we have to be, we have to not overwhelm them with all the information of trafficking and all the statistics. And, you know, there's so much within the issue of trafficking that it's just, it's, it's giving them bite-sized information so that it, it kind of leaves them wanting more. And if they want to go kind of be more in, intense with their research and kind of get more into, okay, what does this actually look like? There's that opportunity for them, but we don't want to like overwhelm them, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. um, Yeah. So it really is this, this balance that we've had to strike. And, you know, we're also trying to figure out ways to kind of intersect the two too of with donors and with shoppers and really getting them to see like shopping is the first step. Yes. And we, we need that. We need, you know, the jewelry to be sold obviously, but there is so much more that they can, that the, the customer can actually do too. Um, whether they want to support us financially, like on a monthly basis, or if they want to click that, hey, give $10 to our new sanctuary at checkout, you know, there is, there's a lot more that they can choose to get involved with. As far
2: as the Purpose jewelry sales, you know, that really goes to help maintain the existing sanctuaries and the girls that we are serving. But the capital required to launch a new sanctuary is approximately $150,000. So every single donation that comes in helps us go to reach new girls that we haven't Mm -hmm. served yet. And Mm -hmm. so our vision is to expand to 10 sanctuaries globally by 2020. So we're aggressively chasing after that.
0: Okay, let's take a quick break from talking with Wendy and Michelle and let me tell you about the sponsor of today's show. If you have been a listener of the show for a while, you may remember episode 25 where my guest was Liza Moiseva. She is the founder of Globin. Globin is our sponsor today and is the only fair trade verified subscription box company that empowers artisans around the world through job creation and fair wages. I have multiple Globen Artisan boxes and they are amazing. Every single one is so unique and curated with these beautiful selections of handmade and ethically produced home goods, beauty finds, and wearable accessories. Each box has gorgeous and unique pieces like hand-painted ceramics from Morocco, hand-blown glassware from Mexico, or handmade jewelry from India. I actually have these beautiful hand-blown wine glasses from Mexico that I got in one of my artisan boxes, and they are stunning. Every single time I have guests over to the house, people comment on how beautiful they are. They have this almost iridescent shimmer to them on the outside that when they hit the light there's this rainbow effect, but they're also really solid, really well made, they hold up well, and like I said, they are just beautiful and people always comment on them. And I have to say, since we are approaching the holiday season, which is crazy, Globin also offers corporate gifts. Imagine how much more meaningful your holiday gifts to your employees, your clients, or even your colleagues would be with a Globin artisan box. You can use the coupon code Molly, for $10 off any Artisan Box premium subscription. You can go to globin.com slash box for more details. That's globin, G-L-O-B-E-I-N.com slash box with the coupon code Molly for $10 off. And if you haven't heard that episode about Globin, go back and check out episode 25 with Liza Moiseva to learn more about this amazing company. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Wendy and Michelle. I think I shared this with you when I met you, Michelle. Um, but so I do a lot of work with human trafficking. This is a this is an issue. This is a topic that I'm really passionate about. Um, I have worked with a local nonprofit here in the Triangle region of North Carolina, Raleigh-Durham, called Transforming Hope. Um, actually, for those of you that are listeners of the podcast, you may remember um, back in February of 2017, I had Abby Tanalia from um, Transforming Hope Ministries on here when we t- and we actually had her on on um, End It Day where everybody did the red X on their hands and so we just well, talked a yeah. lot. Oh, about wonderful. Awesome. Yeah, so we talked a lot about um, human trafficking, and what that looks like both internationally and domestically because they, you know, there is this misconception that you know when i talk to people cuz and I, and you guys probably i'm sure know this as well and experience this you know when you work in this field where you're surrounded by information and and statistics and people and survivors and and all that kind of stuff with human trafficking, it can be really easy to forget that there are still a lot of people that don't understand that this is happening and that this Mm -hmm. is happening here in the United States as Mm -hmm. well. Um, You know, people always think, well, oh, that's the kind of thing that just happens in India, that that happens in Cambodia. That doesn't happen in the United States when actually it does. (laughs) And I know California, California, it's either California or Texas is the number one state for trafficking. I, I can't remember yeah. if it's California or Texas.
2: There's actually a national circuit. And so, um, unfortunately, I, I mean, it's just horrifying yeah, how like, prevalent it is
0: oh, across absolutely. our nation. Absolutely. I mean, North Carolina ranks 10th in yeah. um, out of the 50 states. So, you know, this is one of those things that, um, you know, I just... I can talk about a lot because I think it's important, and um, I also do work with um, um, my church in, uh, and we have a community in Kenya that we work with, and we're just starting to kind of expand and and in in Kenya and work more with um, trafficking victims there, and it's but you know it's a very it's as you know it's a very complex issue, and it looks very differently both domestically and internationally and so I'd love so since you guys have the sanctuary now in Orange County in California I'd love for you to kind of share what your experience has been you know launching a domestic sanctuary and what that looks like and how that is different than you know for example your sanctuary in Mumbai or Kampala.
2: Yeah it's It is very different, Mm -hmm. and the economics around it are different. Um, 17,500 people are trafficked into the U.S. each year, and so those are foreign uh, people that are trafficked in the U.S. That's not even counting the statistics around Americans Mm -hmm. and American youth and that the average girl entering the sex trade is 13 years old. So we've served women from all walks of life at our sanctuary in Orange County, coming from Ethiopia, eastern europe southeast asia south america uh, americans Um, they the model is different in that they work within the distribution Mm -hmm. and so they pack and ship all the online orders they prepare the product for resale they prep all our events and trunk shows Um, but it's still the beauty of it is that the power of the transformation and that our sanctuary doors are open to people of all walks of life. Mm -hmm. And they enter, you know, the first three months in the first trimester, you'll see they're, you know, very timid, really terrified, just applying for the job. And, you know, they are accepted and they, they get the job. I remember one of our first ladies, she goes, I got the job, I got the job. <laughs> Aww. She was so precious. <laughs> um, but you know, it's the power of, of the relationship and God just works and and um, they're in a safe healing workplace where they're free to make mistakes and they are in a environment where they can um, learn. And grow, and there is incredible dignity in that, and there is incredible dignity in being able to have a job and be employed and learn and be a contributing member in your community. And so that you know, after 12 months with some of the women that we see here, you know, they're I'm a new woman. I mean, I just you know, for them to be able to, uh, you know, one of our young ladies, she came in at 18, and you know getting her education and you know she comes in driving with her driver's license and then next thing you know you know I mean this isn't over course of a year this is obviously several years but yeah. she you know bought a car and she's on her own and financially independent and we're you know supporting her as a, a, a family would um, walking her with those steps in life but it's just it's just really beautiful
0: I w- am curious to know do you guys partner with you know, how do you find these girls? I mean, I guess more specifically domestically, but I, I guess I'd also be interested to know kind of how you have set up the sanctuaries internationally. How do you get referrals for uh, for survivors? You know, you know, do you guys work internationally or domestically? Do you work with the FBI? Do you work with local law enforcement? You know, I'd, I'd love to kind of know what that process looks like. Sure.
2: Yeah. In trafficking terms, you say that we would work in aftercare and our model is really um, contingent upon partnerships. It is all we can't do our component if we don't have strong partners alongside us. Yeah. And so typically, you know, girls are rescued or escape a trafficking situation are placed in a shelter. And then what? So for us in the U.S., we're part of a coalition The Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force that is supported by law enforcement, absolutely FBI, and uh, as you mentioned, um, social workers, community service programs, faith-based ministries, churches, and local businesses that are, are trying to come together to fight trafficking. It's a really great collaboration of efforts in the community, and so social workers will refer um, survivors to us for our program and then the, that is very similar to international efforts where for example in Uganda the partner came to us and you know same thing with the Philippines where they're, they're waiting for us to come and they've asked us to say please come and give our girls jobs because um, they need to have financial freedom to be able to rebuild their lives and so that just I mean it's we work directly alongside them and they typically provide residential and we provide
0: the employment piece That's amazing and I just think that I I think it's so powerful when you see organizations come together and they don't try to reinvent the wheel of what somebody else is doing. They see, you know, what are our needs? What are the strengths of this organization or that group or that person over there? And they come together and say, how can we all work together to accomplish the same goal? Like We all have the same goal and we all do different things. So how can we collaborate together?
2: Yes. And I'll say that's really the driving force of our expansion plan and our vision to expand to 10 globally by 2020. And it's, it's simply, um, obviously based on the need, but the need um, generated by the invitation from partners saying, please, please come, we need your program. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'd love to know, and you guys can both kind of, I would love for you to both share sort of what your experience has been. Um, You know, Wendy, obviously yours is going to look very different than um, what Michelle's will be, you know, as, as Wendy is the founder and Michelle, you know, really working in marketing and coming alongside, especially now for over five years, as you kind of just came on as a volunteer and then you, you realize that this was really your passion. Um, Along the way, as you guys have learned, you know, sort of the, the, the process and and the vision and just really listening to God, how do you balance um, making decisions based on what is best for the organization, what is best for purpose, and what is best for the artisans, while also listening to, you know, to God? Because sometimes that, and I ask that question very specifically because I know you guys are faith-based and, um, and you know, I'm, I'm a believer in, and this is something that I've tried to implement in my own life and in my own business. And it can be really hard and really challenging to run a business and look at the numbers daily and, and look at you know what is what is the next goal or what's the next thing I need to do while also taking time to kind of be quiet and listen to what is what is god where is god leading me what's what's god telling me that I need to do next and i know especially in the industry that you guys are in this is such a this is such a balance that needs to be you know be found and it's and it's tough so i'd love for you to kind of share you know what is your thought process on things and how do you look at the bottom line and look at the day to day, while also being open to the Holy Spirit.
1: Um, yeah, I mean that's that's a really, a really good question, and it's something that I feel like I'm still not, not great or perfect or close to perfect with yet. <laughs> none, none of um, us are. None of us are. <laughs> I wish I could say I was, um, you know, had it all figured out. But it, I think, just ever since. I mean, I know for a fact that I was, God really was the one who pointed me to not only this, this issue with human trafficking, but led me to this organization and it, it I can't explain it any other way. I mean, it it just still blows my mind at how I was able to, like, finally come to this place and to be here for um, so many years now and just see the growth every year. Um, And it's honestly been, like, very... I think we look back and we say, oh, my gosh, like, how did we do this? Um, we, We didn't... We started, yeah, from such... We had such little... in in revenue and sales like we had such little to go off of we had no data we were just trying to figure it out like literally just taking whatever sale we could however we could and it kind of you know sort of really evolved as time went on and it was God growing it I mean completely and so um, I think I really started to you know and it's hard to have that balance of we we all are so passionate of, about what we do and we care so much and ultimately our hearts my heart is for these women that we're serving um, but it's hard when you get in the day to day of of the business, like you're saying, and of, I mean, my whole world at this job is very much product driven. And so, you know, you can easily get caught up in, okay, like the sales need to be this and I need to be putting in, you know, over 40 hours a week because otherwise it's not going to get done and we're not going to grow. Um, but I think really just, yeah, it's those points where I think I've learned, and I'm still not great at it. But really involving God in the even the little decisions, and like really praying and asking Him to kind of impart wisdom as far as okay, should should we take this partnership? Should we um, should I invest my time here in trying to get this retailer or to um, you know have this intern come on? I mean, all sorts of decisions, but. Yeah. It really is like I feel like when I do do that and I do kind of take that time to pray and to listen and he really kind of guides it and really provides more insight and he also just allows things to open up that I I don't even understand how, um, and oh, yeah. so I think it's ultimately letting him guide it and not being so. Yes, we have our plans and yes, we have our goals, um, but also being open to where he's leading and realizing that he can make things happen. That we we're just here to be used by him. So um, even just these like expansion partners and just the growth as the organization you know, as a whole, it just really is him kind of doing that. And so when we get caught up in our day to day, it's just take a step back and really look at what he's done and what he's going to continue to do and just trusting him in that.
0: Absolutely. I love that answer. I love that answer too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> she said it. Uh, yeah. The, that's a tough one. I, you know, I've got two little ones at home, two and four and balance. I don't, I don't know that word. (laughs) So, yeah, I think for many of the early years before we even had any staff or employees, it was like, you know, just running around chasing every single bunny trail and, I mean, especially in the startup years, it's not sure what I would advise to to new folks because startup is just startup and you've just got to get it done. but yeah, I mean just like Michelle said having that time to listen uh, listen uh, you know every day and mm-hmm. just really listen moment by moment and and, it, and just surrendering, you know just really acknowledging that um, your efforts are only efforts and we really don't have control. I mean mm-hmm. I don't know how many you know no matter what I try to do at the end of it, um, I can't control the outcome. Yeah.
0: So, I am with you, Wendy. I have two young kids too—four, and um, my daughter's four, and my son is eighteen months. So, I completely,
2: oh, completely yeah. understand.
0: Yeah, it's it's there's like. People are always like, balance, balance. I'm like, what is that? What is that word? (laughs) What is this word that you speak of? I don't understand. It's like most of the days I feel like I'm a hamster in a hamster wheel and I'm just kind of like, you just you you just make it work and it's okay. But I love what you both said about looking at taking the time to look at what God has done and kind of praising Mm -hmm. him for that and and sitting in that moment because this is something that I have really been trying to do better with this year because i think i think it can be so easy and i feel like i had this conversation with entrepreneurs and and people in general all the time of it can be so easy to look at you know, where we want to be and what are our goals that we have not yet reached. Or we can look at, you know, this other company or this other small business or this other brand or this other person and see what they're doing and compare ourselves. And especially women, we are so guilty of this. And instead, we forget to just stop. And look at where we've come from. And, you know, I've been really trying to be more intentional about this just this year because when I think about where I want to go and sometimes I can get frustrated that I'm like, oh, man, I have this goal that I want to reach or I I want to do this and I'm not there yet. But then I think about, well, I'm where I'm exactly where I wanted to be five years ago. So why, Mm -hmm. why am I, why am I upset right now? Yes, I'm not where I want to be, but that's because my goals five years ago weren't those goals (laughs) that I have now. Instead, my goals five years ago are where I am right now, (laughs) you know, or, or or maybe they're a little different because they worked out, you know, in in God's timing and in God's plans. And it's, Mm -hmm. it can be so hard and so frustrating as entrepreneurs to just, to sometimes just stop and slow down and just think about, you know, and and like for you, Wendy, when you first met Stephanie and you were in India and you, you know, it's like international sanctuary and purpose jewelry are basically like a fleck of, of an idea. And you're just kind of answering the call and you just took that one step of, okay, well, we're going to launch this one sanctuary and we're going to just go from there. And Mm -hmm. so, but now, now look at you and now look at the, the lives that you're impacting and and but I know and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth or thoughts in your brain but you know when you're, you're thinking about your goal of having 10 sanctuaries by 2020 and and sometimes that can probably feel overwhelming and I guess I just want to say this as an encouragement to you that you know if you the the place that you you all have been able to get to and the lives that you've been able to impact it and, and just the the pace that you're setting and the influence that you're having in this industry in general and, and the work that you're doing to end human trafficking right where you are is so powerful. And and look at wh- where you've come in 10 years. And so to, mm-hmm. to think about the goal that you have for 2020, I guess I just want to encourage you that you know, on those days that it feels really hard and really overwhelming and and are we going to be able to reach this goal? That you know that just you're doing the right thing because you're you're taking that that next step that's right in front of you. Mm. Thank
2: you so much, Molly. That means so yeah, much. Thank you. Oh, you are if so welcome. If I can welcome. just respond to what you were saying Absolutely. about the comparison, um, yeah. especially for entrepreneurs, that you know with social media and press and all the publications and things that are out there, it's so easy. To look at the external publication mm-hmm. and measure that as success, yeah. And we just don't know; things aren't always what they seem. Mm-hmm. And you know, internally, um, you just you just can't measure yourself with with that standard. And you know, over the years, we oh, if we were published here, or if we were, you know, there, and it's like so many times those things come and go, and those are not, you know, they're very fleeting. And it's not at all what, it it doesn't define you, it doesn't define success, you've got to be faithful to with what God is requiring of you and Mm -hmm. um, really listening to, I mean, constantly, constantly listening to see if, you know, just day to day, moment by moment, to listen, to to see what, what he wants and what he
0: requires of us oh absolutely and I think yeah I was listening to a podcast earlier and somebody said somebody called Instagram Instagram is everybody's prom night <laughs> I was like oh, I loved that yeah. I like, <laughs> yeah you are so right Instagram's everyone's prom yeah. night everyone looks yes. their best <laughs> yeah Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes I just loved that analogy I was like I'm I'm using that <laughs> I'm using that yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm filing that away for later. Um, well as we wrap up here guys I would love for you both and Michelle I know that you shared some of this at nourish and um, so this so this is obviously we're airing this show in um, here at the end of September and so I want you guys to just kind of share what is you know what is on the docket if you will for purpose and international sanctuary here in this last half of t- 2017 and and um, what can people look forward to and you know what are you guys hoping to do here in the rest of the year and into 2017 18.
1: Yeah. So I would say on the the purpose jewelry front, we have a lot of exciting new things happening um, coming into the fall season. We on October 2nd are launching our purpose premiere collection. Which is all 14 karat and sterling silver plated pieces um, that are going to be in really gorgeous packaging and um, more the the minimalistic pieces that you can really wear every day and not even have to worry about that, just keeping them on because yeah. the quality is is there and if you're sensitive to metals yeah. or you know you haven't been able to wear some of our other pieces just more because of that um, this is your chance to kind of. Um, check check it out and be able to purchase when you maybe wanted to, to before but you couldn't. Um, so that is really exciting. We've actually been wanting to do this for a few years, and um, we're finally able to kind of roll it out and. It's, we're gonna do just a lot of fun marketing around it and press around it and Molly what we got to get you some pieces Ooh, um, yes but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's really exciting and um, kind of when right when we launched that collection we're also um, we're basically restructuring our online store a little bit to be tiered collections. So it'll be the premier collection, and then it'll be um, an on-trend collection, which is just kind of our our normal pieces that we've been that you know you you see that are the base metal that are the fashion jewelry that are really you know more of the statement kind of trendy pieces. And then we're also introducing a third collection, which is called Hope. And basically, it's the pieces that our new artisans are kind of first trained on making. So it'll be kind of um, more of the like beaded pieces, and they're not going to be you know 100% perfect. They're just going to be you know all uniquely made, but yeah. still great quality. And it'll just I think get you know shoppers to really see um, kind of the the story of how how it really goes when we open a sanctuary and how the girls are they're trained and um they kind of work their way up in skill and so we're really excited about all this it's going to be um you know right in time for holiday and it'll be great for gift giving and um again we're just yeah we're going to put a lot into it and I think I mean all of us internally are really really excited about it so yeah it should be really really cool I'm so excited. Yeah, when you shared
0: that news at the Nourish event, I was like, yes, I cannot wait to see what they look like. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what about you, Wendy? My-
2: yeah, we are celebrating our 10th year, September 17th, and really excited about that. We're raising 150000 to open a new sanctuary, so really looking forward to the... Um, end of this calendar year just with the holiday you know our 10th season I remember year one you know going around to every event and bazaar kind of community uh, sale at every elementary school with Stephanie 18 shows in 40 (laughs) days and uh, you know here we're shooting for a million in sales this year so it's very exciting and then just um, launching, launching January, and kicking off with our two new sanctuaries um, this next coming year. Looking at the fundraising for most likely Cambodia and the Philippines.
0: That is amazing. Well, I will absolutely be just standing here cheering you guys on and praying for you guys you. and I cannot wait to thank see thank you oh absolutely and I know that there are so many people that just love what you guys are doing and just you have a lot of people in your corner I mean you obviously you have you have the most important one you've got God in your corner but you really do have a lot <laughs> of people here on the ground uh just just cheering you guys on and so I can't wait to see uh, everything that you guys continue to do and thank you so much for coming on the show and for just for sharing your story and Welcome. and sharing all about international sanctuary and purpose and it was truly it was truly a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks Molly. Molly. Our
2: pleasure
0: today. I hope you love this episode with Wendy and Michelle. I had the best time talking with them and they really encourage me to just keep going and keep fighting because even if you're making an impact on one person or 10 people You know, when you start small, that ripple effect really can change communities and it can change the world. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Radio Public, wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss an episode of the podcast. And while you're there... Would you mind just taking a minute and leaving a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. Reviews also help to show other listeners what the show's really all about. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag businesswithpurposepodcast or tag me at StillBeingMolly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thank you again to our sponsor of today's show, Globin. Again, be sure to visit globin.com slash box and use the code Molly for $10 off your premium subscription. Now, this show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with with purpose, on purpose.